You're listening to The Profile. I'm Andy Peck. For the past 17 years, I've been interviewing Christian leaders in the church and charity worlds and in the wider culture. It was John Maxwell who famously said, leadership is influence. It's our prayer that these conversations will help you in whatever spheres you have influence for God, whether in the home, at church, in your workplace or elsewhere. The show is brought to you by Premier Christianity magazine, the UK's leading Christian magazine. Get full online access and the print magazine every month by becoming a subscriber. See special offers available now at premierchristianity.com. It's an island closer to France than England, five miles long and nine miles wide, and has a population of 113,000. It's the largest of the Channel Islands. I'm referring, of course, to the island of Jersey. Historically, the main faith has been Christianity, but stats of church attendance suggest a similar pattern of decline, perhaps not as bad as the UK. There are 12 Anglican parishes on the island. I'm delighted to be joined by Reverend Phil Warren, who is rector of St. Lawrence Parish Church, Jersey, and St. Matthew's Glass Church, Jersey, to discuss the challenges of building faith, family and community on the island. So welcome back, Phil, to The Leadership Show. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Uh, When you were on before, you spoke of uh, St. Matthew's Glass Church and how it was a tourist attraction. I guess it continues to be so. Yes, we've, um, I mean, really since COVID has ended, the tourist um, visitors has picked up. And and actually what's exciting for us, and it was before, and it seems to be growing now, people come to church and they, they want to see the glass and uh, take the photos. But um, what what is so encouraging is the way so many visitors come in and they just sense the presence of God. And so the experience in church is not they've come to a tourist attraction, which in many ways um brings them there in the first place but they come to this encounter with god and we have on a thursday healing rooms and uh many tourist visitors uh end up being prayed for and uh, testimonies of uh, healings and uh, god doing amazing things with those who come to see the glass and only on sunday we had two visitors to church who turned up were openly honest saying we've just come to see the glass they stay for the service and god really impacted them so we're very aware of what we're stewarding but the real treasure is the presence of god and his love and his power moving oh super to hear and and remind us of uh how much glass there is and how it kind of demonstrates itself um there is glass in every corner shape and size it's uh, the, the leak molded glass it was done between 30 1936 and 38 and so there are screens and fonts and windows and you know everything you can see in the the shape of a church a church building uh pretty much has some kind of glass uh attached to it fabulous and and phil what was your journey to to be on the island of jersey because you're not local as such are you no very much from the uk um, I was a curate at St. Mary's in Rygate and looking to see where the Lord had us for our next post, got a phone call out of the blue and uh, that began a journey really of exploring whether this was for us. And uh, I have to say, just looking back all those years ago, so it's 20 years now, um, 
one of the words, the prophetic words that we were given as we were exploring God's plan for our lives was to look for the disguised rainbows. And the first time we came to, to Jersey, um, fog had descended on the, uh, the island. We were the only flight that got in and nothing was going in or out. And I'm kind of saying to the Lord, okay, you know, do your stuff. Show me uh, the disguised rainbow. And we came down a hill and there was this massive rainbow sign on a wall. And through many other ways that God spoke to us, we, we ended up here, um, rector of St. Lawrence, vicar of St. Matthew's. And actually what was really special, um, last weekend uh, on Sunday was 20 years to the day uh, when we moved here. And I came down in the morning, on the Sunday morning, um, kind of into my office just to, to start preparing for the day. And looking out of the window was the most vibrant rainbow. Oh. Uh, it, it felt like just literally over our, our garden, um, vibrant, uh, brilliant colours. And it's just a wonderful, if you like, touch of heaven reminding us that uh, of how God called us here and the journey we've had here. Oh, it's great to hear, Phil. That's a very touching story. Um, so we're talking today about building faith and community. Uh, yeah. And we have to go back a little bit because you faced a challenging time some years back when you became a target, at, when locals objected to plans to extend your church. So tell us about that story and and what you learned through it. Yeah, um, back in um, 2014, um, the church up the hill, St. Lawrence, um, it's a building that goes back a thousand years, uh, an old granite building, um, and was lacking certain facilities like a proper entrance for uh, disabled access and didn't have a toilet and we were uh, lacking a kitchenette and, and various other things. So back in 2014, we began the process um, of uh, of a new entrance and a toilet facility, taking out some pews in one of the aisles and uh, um, and a kitchenette. And in Jersey, the link between church and state is very, very close and closely intertwined. So for a number of years, uh, there was a lengthy process to go through planning and uh, to do all the right things for this to happen. And uh, three years into it, we started to um, get objections, and then the objections turned to be much more uh, fierce in in opposition. And even though we had covered every um, part of the process with absolute diligence involving uh, all the necessary people, uh, we ended up in the last six months um really being a target a target from various heritage groups a target from locals in the parish and actually it spread further afield um without throughout jersey and, and actually from the uk and uh, i guess me being the focal point as the rector um you know that became much more uh, acute and actually painful so uh you know people talk about social media and what goes on there i i experienced firsthand the uh, the attacks the abuse of social media um people would um be very aggressive to me to my face 
Um, it was at times where it just seemed like people were chucking bricks through our windows the whole time. It was for six months a very difficult and painful process. And actually, it got to the point where even though we'd done everything right, um, I, I, I we called a meeting. Um, and I remember 26th of February 2018, uh, what's called a parish assembly. Uh, parish is is kind of essentially the civic part of uh, the local community's life, a bit like a county reduced in size, of which the church is part of that. And so we called this meeting where ordinarily you'd get between 20 and 40 people turned up. We had 500 people turn up. We had an overflow um, meeting area in a local school. The BBC radio, press, TV, ITV um, were all there. And essentially, it was to vote on whether this should go ahead. And we won by quite a large majority. uh, And so the process unfolded and, um, and we built it. And ironically, removing the pews and building a kitchen inside church, <laughs> that was not the controversy. The controversy was making a, an entrance uh, into the building and building a toilet and and so on. But so back in 2018, the work began and was completed in a year or the end of December. We opened it with the bishop's blessing. And uh, um, that was a good thing. And I think reflecting on it and you say, what what did I learn? Um it is actually a really painful process um, to go through. I um, I would have kind of people within church saying, I, I, I sense the Lord saying the, the arrows are falling short. And I'm thinking, no, they're not. They're, they're, <laughs> they're hitting the target. <laughs> it's hurting and it's painful and it's costly. And many times you feel like giving up and I'd even have colleagues saying they just would not have kept going. Um, it was an incredibly difficult and painful time. and But when I look back on it, it's interesting. I think I don't have any regrets. We, we've done the right thing and we have this great facility that is being used. The church is being used probably 80, 90 percent more than it ever was midweek and so on. So it's really paid dividends. Um, but when I look back, I, I it's, it's interesting because you you see in all the, the suffering and the pain, actually the gold and the treasure. And for me, the treasure um, is, the, is the faithfulness of God, the way that he doesn't test us beyond what we're able to endure. He knows us individually. He knows what we can carry, but he's right there and he's faithful and he completes the work that he wants to begin in you. And so, you know, each Sunday by Sunday, you know, when I see the church, there is a smile. Um, uh, it, it is painful. There were people who would um, walk by the other side uh, to avoid me. And some people still do that. It's a small community. Um, but actually, through it all, um, the treasure is the faithfulness of God. And I think probably another aspect that I've learned is um, in the in the humility of not attacking back. And I, the Lord said very clearly, he would deal with this and deal with the people. And so there was never a moment, even though you feel it inside, 
where uh, I attacked back or justified or was aggressive or any of that by the grace of God. It was just I was able to stand with integrity and uh, see this through. The result of that has so many doors have opened where people uh, in politics and business and all the rest of it recognize that where you've been, I guess, trustworthy in something relatively small, but it was a big thing at the time, it's opened doors to much bigger things. Uh, and I think those two things, you know, the faithfulness of God, but also the favor that comes when you are steadfast and people see that you're um, committed and you don't give up. Um, I think in any community, big or small, is a really important, significant thing. Well, super. Thank you for for sharing that, Phil. And I, I've, I've focused on a, a negative um, because I think it's it's helpful because there'll be other leaders who who face other kind of challenges, where, which you know are similar to you. But obviously, uh, do do describe the church community and then what God's doing as well. So, what would be the you know what where, where the um, you know what would how would you describe the church community? Well, I have two different churches. Um, one is a rural church, effectively. And so, um, you know, the the sense of community is built not just around the church, but around what we have called the parish hall and the events that go on around the community. And so the things that thrive and grow uh, are the things that involve not just church, but a, a wider uh, reach of people, such like we have a toddler group called Smarties. And we have a group for elderly called Gems. And so people buy into that and um, and an art group. And all of those things, I think, uh, are um, they make our St. Lawrence Church community, you know, what it is. Um, St. Matthew's is a, is, is a different um, kettle of fish, really. Um, it's a network church. Um, it's... Really, it, it draws people to a particular style of doing ministry and mission. And um, and I think what um, brings it out um, is, for example, um, the gathering times we have, say, on a Sunday. You know, it's about worship word ministry. It's, uh, it's very Holy Spirit focused and centered. Um, but then taking that into the community and what that looks like in terms of outreach. So things like healing is a significant part of that ministry there. And uh, and I think that's what uh, builds a community together. I think that it's fair to say, like with all churches, we've had our ups and downs. You know, being here 20 years, um, there have been some really painful moments within the church congregations uh, of um potential divisions that have affected um, ministry and mission. Um, what is exciting is the way we've come through them. And uh, I have two congregations in different ways that are loving and caring and actually the kind of church I'd like to be part of myself. Oh, so uh, super to hear. Um, coming from an island myself, of course, the Isle of Wight, <laughs> um, I'm, a, I'm very aware of island culture can be a factor particularly in outreach i'm just wondering um what the challenges or blessings are of the island culture what you can leverage and what you have to work work against yeah 
I mean, there there are always great opportunities, and uh, and as you know from the Isle of Wight and others, when you're in a, a smallish community and you have a, uh, a kind of a role that is recognised, whether people like it or not, um, it it is kind of a, a political um, kind of social role in terms of being rector. Certainly, um, it opens the door to so many opportunities, and I guess the uh, at the moment in Jersey, um, the church still has a place at the table, um, both in government and politically. Um, there are, I'm still involved very much um, in civic matters. So I sit on roads committees and uh, okay. <laughs> other committees like that, working with the constable, the conatab, who's effectively like a mayor. Um, and we have a very close relationship. And what's been really positive is over the years, even though we have our differences, we've managed to work together. And um, uh, and it seems to be uh, effective and very positive. Um, not all the parishes can say that uh, where there's a breakdown in relationships. So in a, in a culture like ours, relationship is key. And with that comes uh, the opportunity for um, stepping out and doing new things and growth. Uh, and and the areas that would be most fruitful from a ministry ministry angle. Um, I, I, th I think it, it, that varies um, for the the more rural community. I think you know things like messy church, which we do, is we're, we're really growing and it's um, uh, bringing in more families. Uh, down at St. Matthew's, the Glass Church, um, there's been a real focus on um, holiness and purity and really going deep in worship. And uh, the, the changes we've seen over the couple of years of um, how the congregation are engaging with that and an emphasis on the word of God. So we have what we call Bible 365. And it's daily Bible readings that link into our sermon series term by term um, that encourage people in their life groups, which are home groups, as well as in their personal study to really grow, to know the, uh, the word of God and to, to learn it and to live by it. So that's been a real positive. Um, our families ministry um, are really taking off children and youth. Uh, our healing rooms is still growing. And actually, wonderfully, this September, we uh, did an alpha course and we've got the largest group um, I think we've had for a very long time. The age range is between 16 and 84. And it's it's just the most extraordinary uh, atmosphere of people hungry and longing to to find God. That was fabulous, uh, Phil. Uh, um, are, the th are the things you've learned, you think, yeah, that's that could be wide, widely applicable to other leaders listening? Um, I think there are a number of, well, there's, you learn all the time. And uh, uh, one of the things we did a few years back, uh, along with other churches in Jersey, is invite Lead Academy over to, to, to come and, uh, I guess, help facilitate uh, both growth in ministry, but also raising up leaders. And, and that was a really significant time for us as a church. It got us really focused on like, what is our plumb line vision? You can't do everything. Uh, and so, you know, what is God calling us to do and to be? Um, and I would say 
with with any church wherever you are whether you're urban or rural um and i have a taste of both if you like st matthews is in an urban area st lawrence is in a community rural area um to know what your vision and your values are and to have that plumb line and to stick as closely as you can uh through thick and thin and i think for us doing that over the last two or three years we've seen um significant uh growth uh in that but i guess probably i mean there's so much material out there there's so many different leadership courses out there i think one of the things um that we have been intentional about is getting back to basics um really understanding um if you like the model that jesus offers to us in the gospels um i think the church over the last 10 15 20 years has been really affected and in some ways damaged by um a kind of a hero culture raising up leaders um elevating people to uh, the kind of celebrity status that we've seen and sadly many of them have fallen and and i think uh, for us, one of the things that we sense God is speaking to us about is really going back to the basics. How did Jesus model leadership? Well, number one, you know, he was a servant. He served. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And so we've really looked at what it means for us um, to take that cost and that price and to serve one another and to serve those in our community. And then from that place is what what does it mean to raise people up? Uh, we've been growing our prophetic ministry, um, particularly at St. Matthew's, and you know, just really listening to the voice of God, the word of God, not only for us as a church, but for individuals and just wanting to uh, see individuals raised up in the, the ministry that uh, God is calling them to um, and then to release that. Uh, and that's what we see in the life of Jesus. He he was the servant of all. He gathered around him uh, a group to disciple. And, and again, discipleship has been a really big thing. We're not out to make converts. We don't want to look impressive. We're not out to do performance kind of uh, worship. This is real raw and it's deep. And we just really want to raise up disciples that in the workplace, in the business, in the schools, uh, hospitals, you know, they're, they're faithful. They make that stand of holiness and righteousness for the Lord. And then how do we multiply that? How do we um, uh, uh, release them to to do that? So I guess those three things, service, um, raising up and releasing, are kind of keys in uh, the way that we're trying to lead and learn through that. No, it's great to hear, uh, Phil. And as we as we close, uh, books, resources. You've mentioned Lead Academy as a, 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 um, a one resource, but anything else? Yeah, well, the last two books I've read recently: John McGinley, uh, The Church of Tomorrow, and that's oh, yeah. been really a, a great book about uh, um, yeah, just understanding uh, you know the, uh, community and finding those things where people connect can connect. Actually, personally, what I've just read um, is Richard uh, Foster's book, uh, The Celebration of Discipline. 
And, and it's just really bringing you back again to the, the 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 basics of just purity, holiness, walking, using the disciplines to to walk faithfully and in obedience. Wonderful. Well, lovely to chat with you, Phil. Lovely to catch up with you again, and uh, uh, and exciting to hear the good things that God's doing. So, thank you for sharing. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thanks. It was lovely to chat with Phil Warren, the rector of St Lawrence Church and St. Matthew's Glass Church on the island of Jersey. It was lovely to chat with Phil Warren, the rector of St. Lawrence Church and St. Matthew's Glass Church on the island of Jersey. Fascinating to hear his story of fortitude in the face of adversity and how God ultimately vindicated him and the church leadership team in what they were trying to do in changing the structure of uh, St. Lawrence building. He mentioned the Lead Academy, and as it happens, I'd interviewed uh, Martin Williams and Rachel Roberts, who are part of the Lead Academy team. So if you want to know more, you can find that in the archive. He also mentioned the Celebration of Discipline book by Richard Foster. Uh, that's a classic, if you don't know it, on spiritual disciplines or practices in the way of Jesus. It's, it sold tens of thousands of copies worldwide. Phil was recommending it, and uh, certainly I would as well. If you do have ideas of guests who can be on the leadership show, do drop me a line, andy.peck at premier.org.uk. Always glad to hear of guests or perhaps questions and things you're troubled by or questioning. And it may be that I can find a guest that would uh, address that issue because if you're facing it, no doubt there'll be many others as well. So thank you for tuning in. It's my joy and privilege to host this show. And I look forward to your company once again very soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity magazine.